0: Got my Bible ready. I hope you have yours ready. So let's open it up to, we've been looking at Hebrews chapter 11. So I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11 uh, for the last few weeks. And even last week on Easter Sunday, we were able to look there and see that the faith, this is a a chapter all about faith, that their faith was resurrection faith. But when this whole thing started, when we weren't able to gather together, um, we're just all filled with a little bit of... anxiety and and fear about what's going on here. We've never really seen anything like this, anything happen worldwide. It's not just here, but worldwide like what we're dealing with. And we still have a lot more questions than there are answers. It's like I heard someone say that in a year or two, we'll know all about this and what's going on and how to treat things and how to do things. But we're just kind of learning as we go. But we're doing all that we know to do, and we're just trusting the Lord. And believe me, the Lord is doing amazing things uh, in the world right now in the middle of this. And, uh, but it's tough. It's very difficult. All the things that have been happening uh and and I'm like I said earlier when we were praying I'm so thankful that in our community and in this county that we've been so blessed there's there's not been a lot of sickness happen here and we pray we can keep that going so but for a lot of us it's not just that and all the anxiety and questions about that but for a lot of us it's the separation and it's the uh isolation and it's the uh whole thing about finances and how we're going to make it. Uh, We really are having to take it one day at a time here. All these kind of things can fuel our fears. We talked about that in the first week about the different types of fears that we might have, uh, whether it's that dread that we have or whether it's worry or it may grow into more of an anxiety or full-blown panic that we might have because of the things that are happening around us but instead of that what we want to have is that we want to have a genuine faith in god and we've talked about what a little bit of what that looks like and what that is it's easy to talk about just trust god but we've been talking the last few weeks hope you've been listening i'm not sure how how could i know and by the way if you are listening you can participate by hitting the like button, okay, or you know, you some of you, you know, when you're here, I know you're wanting to say amen. It's just kind of a weak, you know, you just kind of like, it, it, there's no sound comes out. It's just, but but I see some of you do that, and then there's some of you that really yeah amen and things like that. You know what? You can type amen in the comments, amen. I mean, you don't have to just keep doing it over and over, but you can let us know you're here. So I don't know who's here today. Uh, you can let us know a little bit about who's here by clicking like or, you know, say amen if you if you feel it, okay? Uh, so anyway, hope that you'll do that. So here we are, as we're going through this, we're talking about having genuine faith in God. And as I mentioned, we, 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 we talked about the different types of fear and, and, and what real faith is. Hey, maybe when we all get back here, we'll just like have a test to see if everybody's up to speed, and if they're not, I'll just like... No, I won't preach these all over again, but uh, what we want to have is genuine faith in God who is bigger than all of our problems and a faith that fuels hope and strength during the meanwhile. And that's what we're talking about today is faith in the meanwhile. I When I say meanwhile, that refers to in the meantime, while we are waiting we're waiting we are, we're 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 having to. it's like the pause button has been hit we can't really resume with things like the as quick as we wanted to and it's really really tough so i have to tell you i really there has been some struggle that i've had during all this but uh i want quick answers i don't know about you i want i want the lord to show me what the answer is and, and when i'm going through things in life i want the solution it's kind of like lord here i am at point a and i'm trusting you and i want to have faith in you but lord show me where point b is i want to get for God, amen, for his glory to get from point A to point B. Uh, but I found out that it's often what goes on between point A and point B and and sometimes the pauses and the times when it doesn't seem like anything's happening. You know what? That's where God does his work. He's interested in more than just getting us from point A to point B. What he's interested in is the work that he's going to do in that in-between time to mold and to shape us and to teach us and to grow our faith in him. So faith is all about who you are and what you do uh, during the meantime. Um, In the first part of this chapter, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, we get a description of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. But we also notice that that word faith is more than just believing something's true; that it's trusting. It's all about trust, and we gave illustrations about that: trusting, relying, submitting to God because you trust Him in love comes through. So our motive now is we want to trust him. We want to rely upon him because his love's been poured out into us. You see that in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 as we've looked at that, that faith is necessary for salvation. He says, by grace you've been saved through faith. That our trusting Him is how we receive that gift of salvation. And when you see the grace of God, He's talking about what Jesus did for you on the cross. He's talking about how Jesus died to pay for your sins on the cross. You couldn't earn it. You could never do enough religious stuff or good deeds to earn salvation. And what He did is He came and He purchased that. He paid for your sin and He offered you his righteousness. That's grace. That's love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, so that's love. When you see grace, you're going to think about the love of God and this faith that we have. It produces hope, which looks forward to God fulfilling everything he said he's going to. You've got those three things. You know, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and love. And uh, hey, put a marker in that. We may come back to that someday. Okay, but think about it. So a faith that we have is necessary for salvation and it has its focus on the future of what God has promised and what God is going to do. So we get a perspective that's more than just the meanwhile, the right now. We have a perspective that helps us look and focus on what God has. We're going to see that in this text coming up. So it focuses on the future, but yet it fuels our passion for the present. Meanwhile, helping us forget the pain of our past. That's what our faith does in our life. So we're going to look at a demonstration of faith Through the lives of some real people just like you and i these are real folks who went through real problems many of them had some real struggles i mean you know some of the folks that he talks about what great faith they had if you've read those stories man there are some wild stories in the old testament about some of these people uh, that yeah there were times that they struggled they made some mistakes but overall they decided to submit and to trust and to rely upon all that God said and all that God did as they journeyed through life, even though there may have been some hiccups along their way. They staked their lives on what God had said. They staked their eternity, their forever on it. Verse 13 is where I think I'm going to start here because he says this in Hebrews eleven thirteen. these all died in faith. Do you get that? I mean, so they're living by faith, and they died, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. That is, they were confident of them, embraced them, and confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They realized they weren't here to stay. They realized that God has a bigger plan, a bigger picture. There's something a lot greater going on that involves my forever. And there's this big plan of God. They knew that. They confessed that. They had that moment of decision when they decided to put their faith and their trust in the Lord. But then they, they lived each day by that. So this is not just a one-moment thing. This is a continual thing. We walk by faith. We live by faith, not by sight. And it produced that, uh, that faith, that love of God, produced a desire to want to obey God and serve Him. And that they knew that they were going to wait patiently and confidently for God to to deliver everything that he's promised so faith has built into it waiting uh, the meanwhile it involves trusting and it involves waiting while you're trusting I'm reminded in verse 6 that it is impossible to please God without faith and that those who want to come to God have to have faith that is you have to believe you have to have faith in him And in the truth that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And that word diligently seek him is a word in the original that literally means to seek out. God has designed it so that you seek him out. And I promise you, if you get in God's truth and if you seek him out, he is there. He's ready to be found. But he wants you to seek him. So meanwhile, we live in a world that's just so full of uncertainty. It's a world that's cursed by sin. That even while we're here in the meanwhile and even going through this time that we don't really understand that we're going through right now, we have hope. Faith and the hope it brings involves a meanwhile. That is a time that we're having to wait i 'm not very good at this, so this is where I need God, I need your help. I need your strength. See we 're not relied upon ourselves. we have to rely completely upon Him. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8, verse 24, he says that we were saved in this hope. Now remember, hope that we have, hope in the Bible, is not just like wishful thinking or positive thinking. It is a joyful anticipation, a confidence that God is going to do everything that he's promised. So he says we're saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? In other words, if you have it, you don't have to hope for it, you have it. Verse 25, he says, but if we hope for what we do not see, we, listen to this, eagerly wait for it. Eager. So there's that anticipation. We are eagerly waiting for it, he says, with perseverance. We're going to hang in there. That's what our faith does. It propels us in that, and that hope that comes with it. Now, as we look through this passage, we see this demonstrated in the lives of some real people in the Old Testament. You know what? They didn't have as much truth as what you and I have. They didn't know as much of God's plan as what we've already seen and can know. But they, God's telling us all the way from the very beginning, His plan always was that the just shall live by faith, by trusting and relying and submitting to Him. One of the first ones He mentions here is in verse 4 when He says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. So he says, By faith, Abel offered a superior sacrifice. Now, every one of these examples could be like a whole sermon in itself and so i don't have time i'm just going to summarize this because hey we don't have the bandwidth to contain the word of god it is alive it is so powerful it is so rich but he offered us a superior sacrifice so it's obvious as we look back on it that god had already established a pattern for worship that they were to follow a pattern for worship and the means by which imperfect sinners could come before and fellowship with a perfect God. This goes all the way back to the beginning. And and he takes one of the first people that ever lived. You know, Adam and Eve were with God in the garden before sin. They actually walked with God and and fellowship with God. And then after they sinned, of course, they were kicked out of the garden. But now Abel grows up, and he's not had that experience of actually fellowshipping with God, and it's not in his memory. He totally comes to God by faith, and that's what he tells us, by faith. Faith was the reason why he did what he did, and he came to God in the way that he did. And Abel's sacrifice, as you notice... If you know that story, it was a blood sacrifice. The blood sacrifice is a sacrifice that professes the wages of sin, death, as the blood left the body. And that's why he said the life's in the blood. And blood was kind of a sacred thing because this is something God used in this whole... Uh, Temporary arrangement of how that they came confessing their sins and as the, as the blood drained out of that animal death occurred And it was a graphic picture wages of sin is what God always said is death And so they were confessing that they were guilty of sin that they deserved the wages of sin death And this was a sacrifice It was an acknowledgement of sin and this was obviously the way God had said he had they had to come to him And the lesson there is is that you have to come to God God's way, not your own way. So his faith had to do with personal salvation. His offering had to do with personal salvation and his relationship with God and his faith. I mean, he did the right things, but it was his faith that produced that action and obedience as he did what God required. And it said, it's like it's a witness. And God even testified about his being made right with him. And when God testifies about it, man, that is a great testimony. Obedience. He wasn't doing these things. We don't do these good deeds or religious things to try to make us right with God because we find out all of our righteousness is like filthy rags in God's sight. Obedience does not bring faith, but faith, True faith always brings obedience. It flows out in a desire to obey, a desire to want to live right with God. You know what? It's amazing that at this time, he, he was a keeper of sheep. He offered a lamb. Uh, just as we see God's revelation of his plan unfold in Scripture, it unfolds gradually through the Old Testament into the New Testament, but it's one story that gradually unfolds. And right here you see, can't help but see that it was one lamb for one person. Later on during the Passover, it was one lamb for one family. And then on the Day of Atonement, it was one lamb for one nation until ultimately God sent his lamb. Christ, the Lamb of God, came, and then it was one lamb for the sins of the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his only begotten that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, Now, you might be thinking back about, well, you know, I know that story seems a little unfair, you know, because Cain was a tiller of the ground and he grew stuff and he just kind of brought what he had and, you know, Abel kept sheep and he brought what he had. It seems kind of unfair. But Genesis 4-7 tells us that God told Cain that if he did well, that is, did what was right, he would be accepted. So right there we know Cain knew what God meant, And Cain knew what God expected, yet Cain didn't want to do it. He wanted to do it his own way, and he refused to do it God's way. By the way, the blood sacrifice we understand later on, the Bible sheds more light on that. Um, And you have to ask yourself, why was Abel a keeper of sheep? Because we really don't find that people ate meat until after the flood. And so maybe that was precious to his heart of being ready and being prepared to find that perfect lamb to come to God in the way that God had prescribed. Um, So Cain knew what God wanted, but he refused to do it. In fact, Jude, verse 11, he's talking about these wicked, false teachers trying to do things their own way instead of God's way. He says specifically in verse 11 of Jude that they had gone in the way of who? Guess who? Cain, right? So anyway, it seemed like He wanted to do things his own way and not God's way, and he absolutely refused. False religion, folks, is coming to God by any other way than the way he has prescribed. Jesus told us, he says, Jesus said this about himself in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. You can't just come to God any way you want to or what way you think's best. Jesus didn't say, I'm the best way to heaven. He said, I'm the only way. He's the only one that died on the cross. He's the only one that paid for your sins. He's the only one that was resurrected to give you new life. In Proverbs 14, 12, it says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that is death. And so you can't come to God any way you want. Even though Abel was... Murdered by his brother because of his jealousy? He was a man of faith. And his faith still speaks to us as a man who worshiped God by faith. So with Abel, we see faith worshiping. And as we go on down to the next verse, we see Enoch, and that he is a guy that walked with God. We see faith not only worshiping, but faith walking. That is, walking by faith, living out your life by faith. You don't just come to God by faith. You walk with God by faith. It says in verse 5, Enoch was taken away. It was by faith. Don't forget that part. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. How awesome is this story? I mean, it's kind of like, I would love to have that kind of thing happen, wouldn't you? Genesis 5, 24, that actually records this, says Enoch walked with God, And he was not, for God took him. The old preacher said he was walking with God one day and said, I better go back home. And God said, you're closer to my house than you are yours. Come on home with me. I don't know how it happened. But it's interesting to me, though, as I read this, that Enoch was a man that had the testimony that he pleased God. Now, he wasn't perfect either. He was a sinner just like all human beings. But because of his faith, God considered it just like he did later with Abraham as righteousness, and he was pleased with him because he walked by faith, and he was not found. God translated him. God took him into heaven. Um, but it's interesting to me that Enoch walked by faith. He lived by faith. Abel lived by faith. Enoch lives by faith, and he doesn't even have to see physical death. Abel, meanwhile, lives by faith, and he gets murdered by his brother. so I don't understand all the time the way that Uh, Things are allowed to happen. It makes no sense. We're not smart enough uh, to understand it. Later on, when he's talking about how by faith, these great men and women of God did amazing things. You know, they stopped the mouths of lions. They had their dead raised up and brought back to life. And we read all these stories, and then right in the middle of it, he says, yeah, but others... In verse 35, were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. They didn't want to deny the Lord. They were looking for that resurrection. Hey, they had resurrection faith. And he goes on through there showing that, you know, some were delivered. Some were even thrown into the lion's den like Daniel and delivered. But then there were others. Because the thing about it is there's a bigger picture. There's something much greater that God is doing, and they had faith in that, not just me getting out of my jam, but about this bigger plan that God has. And we know that the first moment on the other side, the things that happened and the pain in this life were insignificant. In fact, Paul tells us in Romans 8 that the uh, sufferings of this life aren't even worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. But here is Enoch walking with God. So his faith speaks of a personal relationship as he walked, lived each step with God. Now remember, Enoch lived in that time period right before the flood. So, you know, I don't know what, I know it was just a time that people were actively turning away from God. And it was, uh, there was a lot of wickedness rampant everywhere, a lot of bad stuff. Uh, it probably was even more difficult than it is in our time, but it was in that time that he walked with God even during a difficult time and the testimony that he had is like one of the best testimonies that you could have is that he pleased God wow I just pray that this could be a testimony from my life and your life is that we please God I want to have a desire it's not that I'm trying to do these things to try to get in good with God but because I've received his love his grace by faith I have a desire now because I've been made right with God to want to please him and uh, he tells us that that's where he goes into verse 6 where he tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God so that means the only way that it is possible is by faith we're reminded of that so you have you have Abel faith worshiping you have Enoch faith walking and then you have Noah faith working because it's not the things that he did that made him right with God, but he did what he did because he had faith. It produced action in his life. It says in verse 7, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. He became heir of the righteousness that comes through faith, the Bible says. So it was because of his faith and his trust and his reliance upon God that he moved with this godly fear, this awe, this reverence. And once again, there was only one way to be saved. They couldn't just do anything they wanted. It was a specific thing that God said. You can't just do it any way you want. You had to do it God's way. Noah couldn't even build the ark any way he wanted. God gave detailed instructions of how he was supposed to do it. So we have to come to God trusting in the way that he has provided and exactly as he instructs us. And that's exactly what Noah did. And you know, during that time that that this flood was going to come, it was going to do something according to the Bible that it had never done. The earth was totally different back then. And when the rain came, the rains from the water from above and then the upheaval, probably at that time the continents bust apart and maybe drifted, mountains were pushed up, water came up from underneath. The whole earth changed during that time. No one had ever seen anything like that. But Noah preached God's truth and he lived God's truth. And because he had so much faith, he did what God asked him to do, which was a very big thing. And so you see faith worshiping, faith walking, and faith working. All these things were happening in the meanwhile. All those years that Noah waited for this thing to happen, he kept trusting God, just like we have to do right now. There's one more, and that is as you look at all the patriarchs that are mentioned after this, we see another thing that happens in the meanwhile, and that is the obvious thing, faith waiting faith waiting. It says these all died in faith not having received the promise. We're right back where we started. They saw them afar off, they were assured of them, they embraced them, they were confident. They realized we're just passing through this earth, but their faith was all connected to the promise. There was a promise that God made. You see that even in verse 9 with Abraham, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise, like in a foreign country, and he was living in tents with Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. There is this promise that all of this is connected to. Verse 11, even Sarah, um, she received strength to conceive even after she was past the childbearing age. Why? It tells us because she judged him faithful, verse 10, who had what? Promised. There's that promise again. Verse 13 said that they all died not having received the promise. And all the way on down in verse 17, it tells us, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offering up Isaac, and he who had received the what? Promises offered up his only begotten. So the Bible's one unfolding story. There's this promise that God gave Abraham. And if you remember in Genesis chapter 12 and then in chapter 17, you know he kind of repeats this thing, that through you all nations of the world are going to be blessed. And that Abraham believed God and God credited that faith as righteousness to him. And so the Bible's one unfolding story, and it involves all of God's promises that were connected all the way back to the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve sinned, and he promised that the seed of the woman would come and crush the enemy's head. And then he singles out one man, Abraham, out of all the people on earth, and he says, through this one man, I'm going to bring a son. And through that son and through his family line, You're going to be a blessing to all nations. There is someone coming. God even told him about a land that he would show him, that promised land. But that promised land had to do with a promised someone who was coming that was going to come through these people. It was going to happen in that land. All of these promises, they didn't fully understand, but they trusted God and they went forth. And even all the way down in verse 26, Moses. Now, you remember the story how Moses, though he was adopted as Pharaoh's daughter's son, uh, yet he was raised in the early part of his life by his own. God arranged it so he was raised by his own birth mother. And she, being a Hebrew, no doubt taught him the truth of God and about these promises. And it even says that he came to the point that he, in verse 26, esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. He looked to the reward. So he had that faith looking forward. The reproach of Christ. Now, how? what did did Moses know about Christ? Well, he knew about the promise, and the word literally means Messiah. He knew about someone that was coming, about a promised land, about a promised someone, a Messiah, a prince, an anointed one that was coming. And he believed that so much that that reward that was way out there because of that was worth a lot more to him than all the riches of Egypt that he could see. So right there, it's all connected to that promise, which really is all connected to Christ. He mentions Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and he even mentions Joseph. Did you see that? Down as you go through this passage, as you come down to um, verse uh, 21, he talks about Jacob, and then he talks about, in verse 22, by faith Joseph. You remember Joseph that had been sold into slavery by his brothers and taken into Egypt, and then God used him to save that family of people as they came to Egypt during a famine? Uh, and and abraham had actually god had told abraham and abraham had even spoken about how this would happen and then they would end up in captivity but then they would come out of there and joseph even mentions this it says that joseph while he was dying made mention of the departure of the children of israel that was connected to the promise and he gave instruction. It says concerning his bones. So he 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 connected to that promise, and he gave instruction to them that once he died. That you know in Egypt how they they did this whole thing of mummifying and all of that. That's probably what happened. He lived close to the time of King Tut even, and so he said you're going to have. So his bones were there as a reminder. So you have his his promise that he got from his father was illustrated through his mummy. Uh. Maybe I should say it different than that. Through his remains. Okay, how about that? That were left behind so that it was an object lesson the whole time that we're coming out of here. And you know what? When Moses led the people out, they did it. They took his remains and they buried him in the promised land. So here's the thing. We can get so stuck in the now that we forget God has this big eternal plan. And I want to tell you, even right now, just like even during the lulls and the times that these folks lived, God is doing immeasurably more than we can imagine right now in the meanwhile. See, our faith, if it's genuine, will fuel us in our waiting as we trust and rely on Him and submit to His timetable. Now, I have to tell you, I struggle with this every day. I really do. But just the fact that you have a struggle doesn't mean you can't decide every day, I'm just going to trust God and keep going forward. Because meanwhile means not only waiting, but it means trusting. Meanwhile means not only trusting, but because you're trusting, you want to obey what you already know to do. I don't know how this is going to end. I don't know how everything's going to happen, but I have a lot that I do know. And that's just what Abraham did, by the way, in verse 8. It says, Abraham, by faith, obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. It said that he went out not knowing where he was going. And that's me. I don't know where I'm going half time. I don't know what I'm doing. But I know what God has said. And in in, um, Psalm 119, he tells us, that his word is a light to our path and a lamp to our feet. It's a light that shows the way. So God's word gives us enough that we know the direction we need to be going, but it's also a lamp, like a flashlight, illuminating each step. His word will also help us to see where to take each step as we go in our journey. So this is a time that we're having to take, by faith, in the meanwhile, one step at a time. And here's what I know. I know the direction, and if I stay in his word, I just know each step He's going to show me that I need to take it. If I follow Him step by step today and because of my faith have a desire to want to obey Him and I do that today step by step and I do that again tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that I can guarantee that in the next year, two years, ten years I will be, you will be exactly where God wants you to be but it all starts with this next step as we follow Him. Their focus was on what was ahead. You can only have that perspective by faith, and it will fuel your passion for the present. It's been said that we're all like a bunch of ants on a Rembrandt painting, that as we're traveling across, we can see the change in color as we journey and the texture under our feet, but we really don't have any clue what the whole picture looks like. But listen, God sees the whole picture. There's a bigger plan going on than what you and I know, and God is in control and so like them we by faith need to view even our current events in light of eternity so when you live by faith listen you don't have to know the why i don't know why i'm not smart enough to know why but you don't have to know the why if you know the who i don't even know when you don't have to know when when you know the who And I don't even know how. I don't know how all this is going to happen. But I know God's going to do it. It's been said that unbelief asks, how can this be? But faith asks, how shall this be? Because we know God's going to do it. A great Scottish preacher once said, the important thing is not what we live in, but what we look for. It's that focus that we have while we're going through whatever it is we're going through. And like I said, these weren't perfect people. We're not perfect people. But you know what? God wants us to be faithful people, to be faithful to him, trusting him in the meanwhile. And understand this, my waiting is not passive. We're not just sitting around here twiddling our thumbs. Our waiting is active. It's not passive. It's active as I worship him by faith, like Abel, as I as I walk by faith, Faith with him like Enoch, as I work for him by faith like Noah, as I wait on the fulfillment of all his promises, like all the Old Testament saints who went before us and are like a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. As I'm looking, chapter 12, verse 1, to Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. That's what we're going to do. And I'm going to walk by faith as I wait for him and as I serve him in the meanwhile. Now, maybe you're just ready to trust him right now. And I want to ask you, if you would, please pray with me. Father, Lord, as I believe your word is true, your word is alive and powerful. And I want to make a decision to put my faith, my trust, and to submit totally to what you have said and to who you are. And Lord, I thank you that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I know there's no way I could earn my own salvation or ever deserve it. But I can, by faith, receive what you have already provided for me and then allow you to radically begin to change my life, that I can live by faith in you and your truth. Lord, it's all about you and you living in and through me. Help us to do that and help us all, Lord, to walk by faith during this time of uncertainty. Uh, It's always been that way. We just didn't realize it. But we know you're in control, so help us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.